0: I believe I have your attention, benders of Republic City. So once again, the Wolfbats are your pro-bending champions. It seems fitting that you celebrate three bullies who cheated their way to victory. Because every day you threaten and abuse your fellow non-bending citizens, just like the Wolfbats did to their opponents tonight. Those men were supposedly the best in the bending world. And yet, it only took a few moments for me to cleanse them of their impurity. Let this be a warning to all of you benders out there. If any of you stand in my way, you will meet the same fate. Now, to my followers. For years, the Equalists have been forced to hide in the shadows. But now,
1: we have the numbers and the strength To create a new Republic City. I'm... Welcome back to the Vittagers podcast. Uh, We are a queer Legend of Korra superfan podcast. I am Sam Stanish. With me, as always, is a man who has played right into my hands. Derek Reining. Yep, that's me. I'm your
0: favorite (laughs) metal-bending cop with a severe,
1: severe bob
0: And a severe personality.
1: A lot of, I really, so many of the shots in this episode were were rife for uh, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X parody, (laughs) I felt. There was a lot of... Yeah, it was very ahead ahead of its time in that sense. Yeah. We are humbly and thankfully and beautifully joined today. Uh, by a man who has always had an advantage over us normal people, uh, Mitchell Wilson. Hi, thank you for having me. Of yeah. course, thank you
2: for joining.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I feel like the word normal keeps coming up. Uh, we talked about being a normal boy in uh, the Shadowplay Gaze recently, and so now we're talking about normal people here, you know, because <laughs> that's just a concept in this world <laughs> where there have always been vendors.
1: Yeah, I like the distinction cause like it's sort of like fiction nonfiction where but like in this world I guess I've always thought of benders as the norm and the normal people as non-benders, but you know, I guess they're kind of right. Like the benders are kind of the freaks. <laughs>
2: it's true. I kept thinking about normativity as I was watching this. Like the I think he what does Amon say? Like I purged you of your impurity or something like that. It's like very, very I don't know, like ethnic cleansing energy. Like really like
0: yeah, it's it's, it's rough. Um, and it feels a little like, um, I don't even know, diffuse is like, uh, uh, like ideology. It's like, at first it seemed like the idea was like, they have an advantage over us, so we should stop that. But also it's an impurity. Like, well, I don't get it. It's a very
1: confused message from our guy here, I must say. You would think that given that this is the main event, he would have his like speech planned out, sort of have it ready to go, ready to... Be clear with what he's saying. Yeah,
2: even the
0: show itself like cuts away from him after a certain point.
2: You know, I'm really starting to suspect that this Amon fellow is like a demagogue or something. I don't know.
0: Mm, I, yeah, I, you wait. The thing from Stranger Things. You think he's that under the mask?
1: <laughs> One can only hope. That'd be cool. <laughs> Ready to send these benders into a different dimension or whatever happens in that. <laughs> <place>. <laughs> uh mitchell will you tell us a little bit about your background with avatar what is up with that how did you get into the show have you seen legend of Korra before etc
2: yeah okay so i'm mitchell um i'm from new york uh no sam and derek from twitter um and now sam irl um we anyway. met twice be jealous <laughs> um, um. So I guess my relationship to this show dates back to when I was a little kid. I definitely started with Avatar the Last Airbender. And I, I don't quite know it. like why I don't know quite like what drew me to it, other than it looked like anime, but like was on Nickelodeon. Um, I was really into Sailor Moon as a kid, and that's like my entry point into anime. Um I don't know, I something about like the four like cardinal elements bent to it, I remember being appealing to me. Um I think because I watched Cardcaptor Sakura when I was little, I was like always thinking about like the four elements as like this cool thing. Um, They're like are kind of special in that show as well. Um, And yes, I had seen Korra before. Um, I think that aired through most of when I was in high school. And then I can remember going to my friend's basement to watch the finale stream um, because we did not have broadband at my parents' house and we were on winter break in college when it aired I think.
1: Yeah, I was in college when the finale aired, and, like, it was finals week, and I, like, so I fell asleep before it was going to go up online, and then I remember I woke up at, like, 11.30, and I was like, oh, my God, it's out, and immediately, like, put it on.
0: Exactly, yeah. A great, great Yeah, so you're, like, around our same age, but were you on Tumblr at the time, or were you you aware of any, of like, discourse going around the show at the time?
2: You know, I really so like I was on Tumblr from like age like 17 to like 22 um so like I must have been on there at the same time that Cora was airing but I really do not remember Cora Discourse my like blog was much more like uh niche video game fandom (laughs) and then also it pivoted to aesthetic later on um Mm. but yeah I don't remember a ton of Cora Discourse
1: that is shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm very jealous. But yeah, so this is perfect. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on pro-bending, Mitchell? I,
2: I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> um, I think it's so silly. Um, I do think that it's really interesting the way that uh, Amon kind of like positions it as an ideological issue in this episode. There's like this whole like... Why are we worshiping these, uh, these figures that really don't do anything special other than like be good at sports? Um, and it's, I guess like pro-bending is like a fundamentally exclusionary institution, right? Like, um, so I, I think, like I see why Iman is using his like, cudgel to like try and take it down or whatever. But just as like a viewer, I also find it painfully boring to watch. I like, I do not enjoy the pro-bending sequences at all.
1: Yeah, and my issues with this episode specifically is that the setup of the episode is so cool, and like it's like they're gonna attack the preventing Arena, but like we spend the first like quarters of it on the preventing. <laughs> like, my, my like parallel to this that I was thinking about was the tuning exams in Naruto. <laughs> um Absolutely. which has a tournament arc uh to die actually two tournament arcs in a row uh and it is so good um but and like it's but it's different because one we have like sympathy and background information on everybody in the tournament like we've seen these people before prior to the tournament we have like understanding of like who these people are and like what like because if, if we had more information on the other teams maybe i'd be like, oh, it's this team. Like, I want, like, they're cool side characters. Like, I have interest in them. And so, like, of the moves and, like, the fighting styles that pro bending necessitates are boring. Like, there's no cool <laughs> earth bending move at all. Uh, and, like, the all the fire and water blasts have to be so small that it's just like, can we move it along? Um, <laughs> and then we don't get to the part where, like, they actually start wilding out until the very end uh, and it gets wrapped up pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm anti-probending alongside Amon. I think he has a lot of good points and a lot of bad points.
0: <laughs> Nicki Minaj. if There are some points he has made. Um, Literally,
1: it's like it's like uh, heartbreaking. The worst person you know made a good point. Amon,
0: <laughs> re-probending. Yeah. Um. I'm, like usually when I think about this episode, I'm like, yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes of the show, and I think it's maybe because. I just think of the climax and that's really a gorgeously animated climax but like watching this i was like oh uh like the just like the premise of it was like a little tenuous like it's weird to me that they like start by like declaring yep we're going to attack the arena i feel like this should they should have gone almost like a red wedding sort of like boom like surprise like this thing you thought was going to go a certain way is actually being taken over by something else like build up that mystery of like what Aman's plan is throughout the episode. And then we get to the arena and we figure it out. Not like I'm going to attack the arena. We're going to do it anyway. Haha, got you. I still like, I don't understand what plan Lynn thought she was avoiding here. She just thought if we get more bodies in there, it'll stop whatever he's going to do it. I don't, I don't know. Poor Lynn. I don't know what she was thinking.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not as like shocking or like, twisty when like we know that this is the plan from the beginning but i guess it is closer to like the guerrilla terrorist sort of thing they're going for with him um that like they're like calling his bomb basically uh and just like it's like they're daring them to do it anyway um but yeah like i guess it could it also could have been cool if we were if we joined this episode like in media res like the fire ferrets were like against the whatever their names are uh <laughs> in like in the pro bending arena and like immediately an explosion goes off or something like that or like something like that uh but you know who who needs to rewrite legend of korra we do every single week uh <laughs> but um, okay no the the final climactic fight scene was great uh i felt it was a little fabricated when like korra kept falling through the sky and lynn kept having to save her when it's like there was no reason given for this like there, there was a part where like cora like goes into the water and she like shoots off into the sky and then suddenly she's not continuing to shoot up into the sky anymore uh and then lynn has to save her with the like the hook swinging or whatever and then she's also falling back into the arena and it's just like she has she could save herself but they have to have lynn like i have to save her so that they can like start to bond more but i was just like this doesn't feel natural <laughs> Yeah,
2: there's yeah. there's a lot of like Tenzin in this episode being like, you should really be nicer to Korra, <laughs> like you should like you you two would be besties, like. <laughs> or not, it feels it it does feel sort of forced.
0: And- yeah, <laughs> um, that's like the I don't know, like I did like that aspect in terms of like I it's cute to see Lin and like Korra bond here, but it is yeah, like we said the like it's a little shaky. I like I mean, I even like the like, I feel like a lot of this episode is kind of shaky in terms of like getting to what they want, because like obviously the council, like when they go to the council meeting pretty early in the episode, when like Mako, Bolin and Korra, these three characters, they step up and they're like, this is why pro bending is important. They're trying to justify it to not only the council, but they should be justifying it to us, the viewer. And even they don't seem convinced by like what they're
1: saying. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, it's fun and stuff. <laughs> like My thing with that scene was why is the whole room empty? Like, why are they the only people who are there like trying to like make this still happen? Like if pro bending is like that big of a deal, like it doesn't it doesn't feel good that it's like a completely empty room of these like six people cavernous gigantic empty seats like it just really gives off the impression that nobody cares about this
2: i have so many questions about the composition of this council like i want to see the republic city city charter and like fully understand so like they're they're all color-coded right so like presumably there's a southern water tribe guy a northern water tribe guy a fire nation person an Earth Nation person, and an Air Nation person, right? So, like, does each nation get a representative on this council? And, like, for why, right? Like, Tenzin is representing, like, all of five constituents or something, um, whereas everyone else is presumably representing, like, everyone who's descended from, like, I guess, like, a diaspora into the city from all of the different nations. It's, It's endlessly confusing.
1: Yeah, like, I feel like if Republic City is supposed to be this, like, melting pot sort of it's it's like it's like what the world could be sort of like everybody is together as one it's like they're sort of just holding on to these five previous settlements that they had before for like no reason
0: yeah right and it's like well then i don't know like is there that huge of a cultural difference between northern and southern water tribe like is that a thing like are people upset that they like the water waterbenders get two separate representatives because the earth kingdom is so huge and diverse like i feel like they would be pissed like why is it not divided into like uh and like an equivalent amount of i don't know (laughs) we're trying to understand why this isn't just a straight up like representative democracy i i don't know Uh, i feel like the show probably agrees with us like they're trying to make it look like this is dumb right but they don't really examine it in this episode at least
2: yeah, they,
0: the, yeah I, I can't spoil yeah, <laughs> yeah never <laughs> can, mind
2: sorry we can <laughs> get
0: there um but yeah so basically like we said most of this episode is pro bending um i like i will say the animation of these sequences even though like they aren't particularly like the animation is gorgeous but even though the stakes are not really there to like reinforce that and it's kind of repetitive like every single scene is like the wolf bats do something shady and the ref won't call it like that's just every single mode like Beat of this fight, except for the really, really good Cora versus Tano like beatdown, which I re- always love. Um, But yeah, it just was like I don't know, kind of a lot of this episode sort of felt like padding. They're like, we we know we want this big showdown at the arena between the Equalists and our heroes, but we have like fifteen other minutes that we have to fill.
1: Um, yeah, the Cora Tano thing was really interesting. I felt that decision that they made to have it like fast forward and rewind and we saw it a bunch of times was like so like i feel like they don't really do that very frequently and it made it feel a lot more like a sports game which was cool
0: (laughs) right uh and uh we also get the introduction of these electro gloves which is new and cute and fun and fashionable um gotta wonder though why there (laughs) were there no pat downs like in this (laughs) extremely the whole idea was to have a lot of security here and no (laughs) one I just am imagining that one uh, Twitter video of the guy who just like hovered his his hands over people for like two seconds and then just lets them pass.
1: Well, who would check the popcorn? (laughs) That's fair. Was the popcorn
2: popcorn concessions guy like in on it? Do we think he smuggled the gloves in for them?
1: I mean, I feel like a non-bender is probably more prone to having a service industry job. Uh, and so he probably is pretty sympathetic to the Equalist cause. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I do, this is something like
0: I noticed this time. I hadn't really thought about before, but I think maybe the implication here is that, um, like, speaking of who all is involved in this plot, uh, like, I think maybe Aman paid off the refs. Like, I always assumed it was the Wolf Bats, but it's like, now it makes sense that, like, since he's so into this idea of, like, postponing his showdown with Korra, of course he wants the other team to be the ones that he, like, makes an example of here um so i i don't know if that's like the implication but also they imply that the wolf have done this before so i don't maybe the refs got double pay uh and (laughs) just just both parties were like yes have a ton of it who
1: knows if only cora had a secret stash of avatar money that she could have used to pay (laughs) off the (laughs) refs. exactly um
0: but yeah, uh, another like thing. This reminded me of though is obviously like the Dark Knight
1: Rises. I can't. I believe that came out after this, right? Though. Um... It, but it would. I feel like they would have been made at the same time because I am having a sense memory of watching both of these the summer before my freshman year of college. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But yeah, it's very that you know, dude in a mask. Deep voice. Hey, that was shot in Pittsburgh. Oh.
0: I by that, I assume you mean these. This episode of Legend of Korra.
1: Yeah, all the animation was done in downtown Pittsburgh,
0: <laughs> rotoscoped over the Pittsburgh Arena. I don't,
1: I don't know what that's called. You got
0: it. Is that actually um, a name? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Arena. That's what the name of the sports arena is, right?
1: Um, you know, I couldn't tell you, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's something. It's some kind of rink. It's got some. All of these arena names the thing that doesn't track for cora is that the pro bend arena doesn't have like a brand name on it and it should be like uh onion or cabbage corpse arena mm, exactly i mean they do kind of, they talked about like flameo
0: noodles sponsoring stuff last week um True. and yeah I, d- I did love the announcer in this episode it was like they had 100%. some good bits there that was funny um, Are any of the
2: other teams sponsored besides the Future Industries Fire Ferrets? Because I think that's the only one that I remember them saying the full name for. I think everyone else is like
0: a place. Like the White Falls Wolf Bats or the something Rappers, And then this is, yeah, they're the Future Industries Fire Ferrets. I have no idea. Again, everything about Pro Bending is very not explained and <laughs> strange. Um, I feel like, like once again, we are learning new rules in this very episode. <laughs> like, oh, fouls are a thing. I don't know. It's weird. I
2: love the one where, <laughs> where Mako's like, that was a hosing foul. Like, the little lingo that they make up for the, like the, all of the suspect stuff that the wolf bats are pulling is endlessly funny to me. <laughs> hosing is just a silly word. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, they yeah they just keep making up shit. Honestly,
1: um, I yeah, I and like it, I like making up shit is like fine, and it's <laughs> obviously a fantasy show, so go off. But when it's like a game that you want me to care about, I need to know the rules. Right.
0: Yeah, I should know that it's okay to be hanging off of the edge and, like, fling someone back up, um, which was a very cool moment also. Maybe that's just, like, the way the rules work, is, like, as long as it's cool, we allow it. cool, yeah. Exactly. I didn't want to invoke TV tropes so directly, but...
1: Mm, I was invoking D&D terminology, so different different entrance points. But... um, (laughs) Are there other scenes of this episode? Like, I feel like it was, like... I feel like it was, like... Amon does the radio thing and oh Pema like Korra finds that Korra and Tenzin talk about uh, like Pema and Tenzin's past with Lin which I thought was very fun and funny and I am glad that we're getting that like I feel like I expected to have fallout of that from the in in the last episode but I'm glad that we got it uh, directly after uh, here and this is like another thing where they're doing a lot more with the serialization of Legend of Korra than they were with Avatar where like there is an ongoing plot of avatar, but like the character beats and like the character storylines in legend of Korra are carried out over episodes rather than you know, like character earth moments all being contained within like one episode. Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I love that scene. It was very cute. Funny. Like, and uh, that scene also, I think the voice actors were doing an excellent job of uh, Janet Varney and uh, JK Simmons, obviously like
1: just really nailing the voice acting there. Good stuff. When Tenzin's like getting lost, explaining his like just <laughs> coming from his memories and he realizes he's running on too long.
0: It's good. It's yeah, good. it is good stuff. It should have been all that, you know,
1: but alas. Um, yeah. And so
2: I'm glad though, this,
1: I'm glad this mm-hmm. kind of feels like it's the end of the probe ending stuff, though. <laughs> like a, this was the finals. So, you know, it's over. Like the Wolf Bats won and... We it it can go off into the night as an idea rather than an on-screen activity.
2: I really did the one thing I will say about the pro bending scenes just throughout this show, like the one thing that like made me able to forgive the sequence of the actual match in this show was the Wolf Bat's entrance. I am like obsessed with like the pyrotechnics and they're like high camp capes and wolf bat masks, and it's just like the silliest uh the silliest thing and yes i don't know tano is just this like weird like foppish like uh just this weird foppish villain for like no reason i mean is is tano queer-coded i like keep thinking about this and he strikes uh, me as just like like he's designed to, to evoke that but maybe I, not actually
0: i would call him a bishonin if we're using anime terms there, like the the feminine appearing man who is still supposed to appeal, I assume, to women. Um, like He's kind of like what they were going for with Mako, I guess, which is like the bad boy, whatever, but in a, a different <laughs> form with weirder hair, I guess is what Tano is. But I do really like, Tano is a lot of fun in this episode. He's a great villain. And it's sad that we literally just met him last episode and he's already been, he's already out of our lives presumably
1: he is a great villain and i i mean i think it is such an interesting choice by the writers to like sort of challenge us to sympathize with him here like he we just saw him like you said presumably buy his way into beating the protagonist and then like immediately has his entire life destroyed which is just like what? I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about this guy now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if, if we're to believe him, on he's normal now. So we should feel good about that. He's been purged of the impurities. True, but
1: if everybody's normal, no one is. <laughs> yeah, I love the Incredibles or, <laughs> or whatever. Um,
0: well, uh, I mean, is there anything else really to talk about this episode non-spoiler-wise no. that you guys can think of?
1: Only criti- criticisms. But
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we went pretty hard last episode, so we should probably pump the brakes there.
1: Um, I know, but I just have more stuff to say, but it's fine. I, I just like, why don't they immediately have Tenzin and land electroshocked and out of commission at the start of the fight? It's like, I want to see them fight. Uh, but, you know, it's it's all stuff like that in my mind at this point. Right, saying Mitchell, what about you? Any concluding thoughts
0: on and the inner and the winner is ellipses?
2: Um, not really. I just think that it's like what we do see of Lynn's fight sequence. This episode is really, really cool. I think this is the first time we're really seeing her uh, like fully in combat. Um, she, I don't know. She does this one cool move where she's like on the dome of the arena and like spins around on her back and like the little cables she shoots out like uh, flourish in like a really interesting way visually. Um, so that's super fun, and I'm I'm a big like metal bending fan in this particular series. Um,
1: We're gay, yeah.
2: <laughs> metal benders and water benders. I don't know why. Like those are the two like is for like visually like the two most interesting, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that the pro bending stuff is really rocky. And I remember so I rewatched this like a couple of weeks ago, and then rewatched this particular episode again today. And I, I remember, I felt a sense of relief when I was doing my longer rewatch, when the probending was behind us.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, to go back to Lynn, I will say, like, I, I feel like this is her first real episode, like, she where she's present throughout, like, in the first episode, we got her in this like interrogation scene, but she's really only on screen for like thirty seconds, uh, and it's sort of like that. Which character had fewer than fifteen minutes? Blah blah blah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like in the, it, she's also at like Ton uh party, and he <laughs> like uh, he like, it, but she's really only there for a little bit. It, and so like like to me like. I just have such a stronger memory of Lynn because like I was, I feel like probably a hundred percent due to being engaged in the fandom at the time. And just like, obviously I knew who Lynn Bayfon was, but like, if you're watching this, this is like her first real episode. I To me as a new, like, if I'm like putting myself in the headspace of a new viewer.
0: Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it kind of, like, yeah, obviously we we're all like every day of the week between each episode, we were probably like always like, Reblogging blogging stuff or like people were doing fan art of Lynn like and we all we knew all these characters even before the show came out from like comic-con and stuff um so like yeah like Tano I think is a great example of that too he's literally only been in two episodes but I feel like he just like looms a little larger just because like we saw his character design before the show started we knew he would be in the show and then like I don't know. There's, yeah. But when you, like, take the show at face value, yeah, this is, like, Lynn's first sh- real showing. And it's a great showing, honestly.
1: Like Perfect Mitchell's... debut. She yes. saved the Avatar twice.
2: Did yeah, she say so that Tano, gonna... Tano was in, like, promotional materials for Korra?
0: Yeah, I they do didn't... not remember that. Yeah, they definitely, like, showed um, him, if, like, at Comic-Con when they were showing, like, character designs. I'm pretty sure we, like, they showed him off um, because... I, why not? Because he's like a a distinct character.
1: Yeah, um, that's fair. It is one of the most Captivating, interesting character designs they've ever put together, and it's just like for this it, guy.
2: It <laughs> is. It is like big Drew Barrymore getting killed in the first five minutes of Scream kind of energy, though. Like mm-hmm. um, real bait and switch there. I do want to say that I love Mindy Sterling, Lynn's voice actress, and I feel like we have to shout her out because she's um, the iCarly reboot just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was—I don't remember that she was like the mean teacher on *iCarly*, and I, I love Mindy St- Sterling dearly.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that that was
0: absolutely. Yeah, this voice cast is so cool. Like, yeah, there's Mindy Sterling, and then like Maria Bamford. I don't—I feel like we kind of referenced her for Pema's voice, even though Pema wasn't in this episode. Um, Maria Bamford sure... is Pema. Yeah, right? Isn't she? I'm pretty sure. I believe uh, you. Um, I guess before I keep because I feel like it was like. They kind of were fans of Marie, they being the creators. um. Yeah. it's Yeah. Okay. Google confirms <laughs> what I have believed for the last like uh, eight years or whatever. But yeah, they're like, they were just big fans of her as a comedian and were, I guess reached out to her and got her to be this amazing pregnant woman who <laughs> tells you to cheat or to be a homewrecker. I had no idea, but that rules. <laughs> exactly. Um amazing voice cast like we said um so yeah um are, those are concluding spoiler free thoughts on episode seven six episode six, six.
1: of legend of Korra. yeah yeah, yeah i'm good mental wh- what do you where can people find you uh before we head off into talking about the rest of this the, uh, the other half of this season
2: yeah sure yeah. i am on twitter at M-T-C-H-L-L underscore, underscore, underscore. I think it's three underscores. I purposefully make myself bad for SEO um, because reasons. Uh, So there's that. And then for Instagram, I am, if I can... I don't actually remember my username i'm so bad
1: at this. oh <laughs> my god um, so bad the it's so bad for the seo even you can't remember it
2: it's really terrible my instagram is m w i l s underscore 15
1: perfect
0: it's so, like um, you can find me at reindeer on twitter you can find me also uh, at the shadow play on twitter and instagram no just twitter just the twitter for that (laughs) um uh which uh is our sister i guess i'm calling it our sister uh podcast because i called this our brother podcast over there (laughs) this week so but anyway it's uh my podcast with christine pallon who has been on the show before talking about survivor um and we talk about the 1997 anime revolutionary girl utena and i think everyone should listen to us and also watch the
1: show um I can't believe you would masculinize us in such a way to call us the brother podcast. But.
0: Well, yeah, you know, if ever, as we all know, Revolutionary Girl Utena is all about binarism, and there are only two genders, and there's man and woman.
1: Man and woman. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's um, <laughs> Sam Spanish on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my other podcast, Outward on the Straits, on Instagram and Twitter is in a short hiatus uh, due to a throat injury injury by my co-host uh and so we cannot record because he is on vocal rest due to a virtual reality induced accident um get well
0: soon joe we love you
1: please uh we miss and love you and i you know it's it's tough out here but uh you know we're figuring (laughs) it out um do i have something else to say No. no okay uh we can launch Head first, as if we were falling from an equalist blimp into the ocean, <laughs> into the pro-bending arena, waters. Do you think that water is so gross? It probably is. They never change that out. Uh, uh, head first into spoiler territory. Yeah, absolutely. Does yeah. this episode bring anything up for anybody?
0: <laughs> I mean, well, ju- I just to play off of what you just said, though, I'm sure it's somewhat like someone's job, kind of like the Zamboni like ice rink has to like, waterbed urine out of there or whatever fluids Ugh. yeah um but yeah i feel like spoiler okay. wise uh like obviously this isn't the last we see of tano but he's like we get like one little cameo of him like being depressed um and then he's just kind of gone from the series i don't think they ever even have a dress of cora gives him his bending back do they
2: they don't but i was re-watching the fi- i finished this week And he shows up at the finale at Varric and Julie's wedding and he's playing Mm. the trombone. Oh yeah, I forgot that. He's in a band with um, the two bumbling detectives from season two that Mako doesn't like.
0: Right. Those characters, everyone's favorites. I'm definitely remembering (laughs) them and picturing them perfectly. (laughs) I mean, if you just told someone bumbling detectives, you can probably assume there's a short, rounder one and a tall, skinny one, right? Yes. That's the go-to, the bread and butter of two characters who associate with one another. Um, but yeah, spoiler-wise,
1: I I don't know, like oh oh sorry you go. No, I was I was gonna be like I have no idea. So okay, well, once again we get these attempts at a background plot through these flashbacks that like are meaningless and don't have anything to do with any character development or plot discovery by anybody we just like are seeing these flashes of characters from the past and just sort of like what am I supposed to do with this (laughs) yeah I think like obviously the implication is like Aang's trying to tell Korra the true nature of Amon, but it's like Okay. (laughs) That, you know, makes sense. And I wish that I had known that. Sort of like, he's trying to get through her, but she doesn't have the spiritual connection vibe, I guess? Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah, I guess what's frustrating about that particular thing is that if it is a mode of communication from Aang, which we later learned that it is, it's not a mode of communication that we're at all familiar with from The Last Airbender. Like, it's it's not presented as a way that Aang would have ever... Communicated with his past lives, and we're not really given the tools as viewers to discern that for ourselves. It, I think it's just kind of this um, random thing that Tenzin is like, "Oh, that's probably some like ghost stuff. I don't know." Like
1: <laughs> avatar magic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: um, I, I, yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it. Is like the reason it's so confusing is we've never seen this before, um, and. Yeah, I I don't really love those either because they really feel more like fan service to me.
1: There's not yeah. even any dialogue about them. Like Cora's not even like I saw something. She like she just we see them and then yeah. the next episode happens. Yeah, it's like we get it's like fan servicey in the sense that we see
0: like Ahsoka and Aang just to be like, Yep, they are going to be important probably. But it also is just like kind of like a mystery box aspect of the season, like, what do they mean? It's like I don't know, tell us please. Yeah. We have no idea.
1: My other thing is okay, literally I l- said it a- I didn't mean to make a joke, but I literally don't remember the name of the guy on the console. Tonraq, Tarlock. I believe
0: is um of course dad, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, but Tarlock is just like also an a villain asshole. Like he's not because like when he <laughs> discovers that Amon, like he doesn't even know his brother is Amon. Like you would think that they would have like they would be working in conjunction but like they're not and it's just sort of like okay like why like what what who is what is this? Can, i'm sorry i'm being so negative but it's hard
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um i but like we said this is the last we see of Pro
0: Bending. i mean until season two for like a tiny teensy bit and it's like the show kind of declaring we're done with this um so yeah
2: I really love that the show sends Pro Bending off in like kind of the most unceremonious way possible. Like the the new teammates that he ends up having or that Belen ends up having are just like nerdy and like frail and sad. And it's like, <laughs> very, very fun to me.
0: Yeah. There were those cute cosplayers too in this episode, like the fans for yeah. the Fire Ferrets. That was cute.
2: Speaking of cosplayers, I feel like I should mention this. I sent Sam and Derek this thing earlier when I was in college. It's like, you know how people play Quidditch at college campuses. Or Survivor. Or Survivor. <laughs> oh, I went to the University of Maryland for undergrad, and um, people played this version of Crowbending on campus. And I can remember, like, I had this vague memory when I was watching it today. Uh, like, walking across the mall and, like, seeing people play it, and I was never really sure how it worked, so I unearthed, uh, a Tumblr post from them from, like, 2015 that has all of the rules for it.
0: So, Um, yeah, like, do you fit, you're not physically knocking each other, I assume, I assume (laughs) it's, I don't know, yeah, tell us,
2: I guess. (laughs) I looked, I looked at the rules, and it looks like, um, it is sort. It becomes sort of like dodgeball, I think. So like, if you get hit, like each person can only use a certain color tennis ball. So like, if you're the waterbender, you're supposed to use the blue tennis ball, firebender red tennis ball, etc. And if you get hit with a tennis ball by an opposing player, you have to move back a zone. And then the rules like are pretty much exactly replicated from the show. Um, you're just hitting each other with different colors tennis balls um, interesting
0: i would to be like i would say like earth should get like frisbees to match the dits, and maybe waterbenders get ribbons i don't know something to mimic the elements more but i wasn't there to brainstorm this
2: nor was i um <laughs> i think it makes even less sense to like as a game from a piece of media to adapt to real life than quidditch so and i'm pretty anti-harry potter also so like
0: <laughs> aren't we all at this point, um, I would have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like, yeah, like
1: you said, kind of light in the spoiler zone, too. Um, my, oh, I was thinking, just because I'm always thinking of her, it is so bizarre that Asami is not present in this episode. She, <laughs> she was not in the last one, and she is not in this one. To my, uh, obviously, I'm overstating, but it's like, where, where is the fallout? from what happened last episode. Like, we still are not getting anything from her. Yeah.
0: It's like the episode before, like, the only thing that the writers took from it is like, they introduced Tano, and, like, we need to follow that thread, and not the entire rest of that episode, which was about relationship drama. But then none of that really comes up here at all.
1: Maybe they wanted to, like, make people think that she could be an equalist?
0: I think, Mm. I mean... Well, I mean, originally she was planned to be evil secretly, um, but then they kind of just turned her dad into that character instead. Um, So, yeah, I think that's sort of like the thing here is like we just see her here to like maybe like, ooh, maybe she's in on it. The femme fatale, but nope, it's her bear dad that lives. (laughs) That's right next to her. That's underneath it all.
1: Is next episode the go-karts? I believe so, right? I hope so. I just i want to see my girls together exactly
2: yeah i don't remember if that's before or after no it must be before we learn that her dad's evil yeah, yeah it that's is, like...
1: i think because that's like when Cor goes to like his secret little dungeon or whatever
0: mm-hmm With all the chains and the mechs and stuff love that
1: well like call I'm... me when you want exactly
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, an enormous spoiler, that jumping forward three seasons. The fact that he gets a little redemption arc for no reason in season four makes less than zero sense to me. Like, (laughs) you just have not heard from him for two whole seasons, and suddenly he's the only person who can stop uh, the giant mech tank from destroying Republic City is...
0: I'm very weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, this like a thread they wanted to tie up for Asami, um, which you know, good for them. And we got cool hummingbird thingies out of it, even though they get like pretty immediately annihilated, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a um, stealth ship in Battlestar Galactica. Like they've spent exactly. so long making it, and then like the second time it ever fights anybody, it gets blown up.
0: Yeah, it's very that. Um, which from what I'm getting from that is that we're watching Star Galactica next. I wish. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, uh, are those, is that all we have to say about this episode, which I used to really love. And now I'm like, great grounds, beautiful gowns of this one.
1: Nothing really to say about this episode, but I am starting to regret during legend of gore <laughs> no no don't say that you can't say that
0: no we're about to get some good episodes we're about to get some really really bad ones for a
1: while but then we'll there'll be really great ones sam all we ever. have to do is to go through four more months of this podcast and then we'll be janora's tattoos come on do it for that do it for her that's literally so far from now.
0: Do it for her. Do it for her when we get uh, 75% of the way through the show.
2: I do have I'm, to say that yeah. season two was way better than I remember it being on rewatch for me. Um, I was very surprised, because I was like, pretty anti-season two as it was airing, but I liked it a lot more when I watched it like two weeks ago. So hopefully it's more bearable for Sam. Um, yeah, poor Sam. Coming up he's
0: oh sam is muted um, <laughs> um oh no
1: <laughs> okay Should <laughs> i just end this uh guise of positivity and just go hard and do how i feel about these things
0: why not I mean, we can make
1: genuine.
0: that does feel more genuine and so then when it when we are praising the show at you it's coming from a genuine place i think that's yeah. fair
1: These last two episodes have really just knocked down my defenses. (laughs) I'm just not. (laughs) Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough couple of
0: episodes, but you know, I'm saying do it for books three and four. That's what I'm looking for. And some like last part of book two, fun stuff. Um, It'll be worth it, buddy. I feel like I'm talking you down.
1: Excited to, you know, get to season forty-one of Survivor. Have a little break, (laughs) Avatar. I think that I think that's what we all need uh, after these last two episodes. But we're not there yet, so we'll We'll do
0: it. Okay, crisis of faith averted. Okay. We're doing through it.
1: Mitchell? I'm very yeah. much an atheist of the book one of Legend of Korra, but, you know, sure. I'm still here. I'm still present. We are still here.
0: Okay, Mitchell, one last time. Tell the people where to fight you.
2: Hi. Thanks again for having me. It's yes. been so great. Twitter is at M-T-C-H-L-L underscore underscore underscore, and Instagram is at M-W-I-L-S underscore 15.
0: Nice. Um, uh, yeah, you can find me at Rain Jerks on Twitter. You can find us at Bitter Jerks Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Shadow Play Gaze with our friend Christine uh, on
1: Twitter. I'm at Sam Standish on Instagram and Twitter. Um, please, you can always go back and re listen to old episodes of Word on the Straits, or maybe if you're a new listener and haven't ever listened, uh, we have over 100 episodes of uh, us tackling the ins and outs of straight culture. Uh, it's it's a great back catalog, uh, and it's a great great show over there. So check it out, um, and have fun.
0: Most Absolutely. of all, have fun, and be yourself,
1: and believe in your dreams.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell, again so much for joining us. Um, we might have to replace Sam with you um, since he seems to be really, really, really struggling, um, and I would be okay with that. Sorry, Sam.
1: Wow, you started a new podcast with somebody else, and you're replacing me from our podcast. <laughs> okay, I get it.
0: Yes, sorry. And the winner is Mitchell. That was the answer. That's <laughs> the end of the sentence that the, the episode presented.
1: Oh, I didn't know that this was the finals of the podcast hosting competition. I kind of thought that I was a shoe-in for the role, but mm. I guess I should have tried a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> should have paid off the judges.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, Mitchell, you have my Venmo. <laughs> yeah. um So yeah, but thank you, Mitchell so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, bye, bye, bye. bye.